Welcome back to Bible Love. We're recording this on Thursday in the second week of Lent, or it's coming out that day, rather. Um, so the collect for this day, let us pray. O Lord, strong and mighty, Lord of hosts and King of glory, cleanse our hearts from sin, keep our hands pure, and turn our minds from what is passing away, so that at the last we may stand in your holy place and receive your blessing. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So you and I are talking about Zephaniah today, and this is an interesting book. Uh, It's a very short book. It's just three chapters. But man, Zephaniah, he is not a happy camper. Um, There's a lot about justice. There's a lot about people screwing up. It's a lot of poetry, but there's also some love in there too, which again, you know, I feel like we, with these prophets, we kind of, this is the same old story over and over and over again, but he's not, he's not a happy camper. Don't you think? No. Um, he's talking about God's going to destroy the world. Right. And he goes into pretty good detail in chapter one about the ways in which that's going to happen. And it's almost a verse by verse undoing of, of creation in Genesis. Yeah. Yeah, I was just about to say that. One thing that was really interesting to me was the reference of undoing what happened in Genesis. And I'm doing a Wednesday night series on Genesis, and I'm like, ooh, I'm not going to tell them about Zephaniah because everything I'm telling them, <laughs> Zephaniah unravels, you know. But it's it's he, he is um, really focused on telling the people. First of all, he is focused on saying, I knew this was going to happen. I knew this was going to happen. And then second of all, he's like, you people are judged, 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 judged. And he is not afraid of saying that, which feels awkward for us sometimes, right? Like, I think we think, um, you know, we, we, I mean, we are, we, we, we want to be in loving relationship all the time, but sometimes people screw up sometimes that, so much that that really harsh tone that that is needed. And I think that might be what's happening here with Zephaniah. But that's just my opinion. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. I mean, this is an interesting one. Zephaniah almost, I can't think right now of the other prophets, but he's, number one, he identifies himself more than the others. And so he's speaking from like within. Himself. Um, yeah, like within the power structure. He says, I'm Zephaniah, I'm son of the son of Hezekiah, right? So we're going back to, you know, he is the son, he's in the line of the um, successors of David. Hezekiah was a was a king of Judah. There's one, I think I read Judy Fentress Williams on this, that um, some scholars believe he's also related in some way to Josiah, who's yeah. the current ruler. And so this isn't like, someone out in the wilderness who's been disowned by society and has a grudge or whatever. This is someone who's in this line saying, yeah, I've seen this coming maybe. And um, 
I'm talking about all of you who are part of my family and God's ticked. Yeah. Yeah. So I appreciate what you're making the connections in, in history and the lineage, but also like, don't you feel like in life sometimes we really need to hear that in a harsher tone? I mean, I, I don't know how to describe what I'm saying, but um, it's almost like we need, we can be soft and we should be soft and we should be kind, but sometimes we need that, like wake up and smell the coffee, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's some of it, you know, like think about parenting or even pastoring a church, right? Like we can, I try to get consensus on things. I try to get everyone on board and we're all agreeing for the same things, but there's sometimes a time when the answer is no. And the reason is because I'm the rector. Right. Yeah. Or be, more than likely because the bishop said so or the canons say so. Right. It gets lost on people. Right. Yeah, like, I, yeah. I try to say yes. I try to get to find Me ways too. we can say yes. But sometimes well, we have, have to say we bring I, in the I, hammer. We do. I have I have a good example of that. Yesterday I had a funeral and you know, not not very often anymore do we have actual bodies at the church, but we did for this one and there was like a, a reception beforehand and they just couldn't understand why we couldn't open the casket. Just couldn't understand that, you know, and I we don't have open caskets in the Episcopal Church. That's just not something we do, you know. And um, that's something that can be done at the funeral home. There are other places for that, but in the church, that's not what we do. And I, you know, had to get kind of, you know, as kindly as I could, but say, you know, this this is the rule. This is the rule. And, and we're going to have to abide by that, you know. And that's hard because people are grieving and they, you know, need this or that. And we worked it out at a different time in a different place. And I want to say yes, like you. I mean, I, I want to make everybody feel as comfortable, but sometimes we need people like Zephaniah who kind of put the hammer down on us and are like, this this is how this is going to go, you know. Um, so that's that first chapter is really is is really about that. And then um, the second chapter, he starts saying, not only is it y'all, but it's all your neighbors all around Israel. Everybody's messing up. Everybody's upset. Everybody needs um, to understand that y'all are um, really not um, not in a good space. But then when we get to chapter three, at the very end, there's this song of joy, um, and I really love it. I want to, if it's okay with you, Alan, I'd love to just, um, so in chapter 3, verse 14, um, sing and shout for joy, people of Israel. Rejoice with all your heart, Jerusalem. The Lord has stopped your punishment. He has removed all your enemies. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. There's no reason now to be afraid. The time is coming when they will say to Jerusalem, do not be afraid, city of Zion. Do not let your hands hang limp. The Lord your God is with you. His power gives you victory. The Lord will take delight in you, and in his love he will give you new life. He will sing and be joyful over you, as joyful as people at a festival. The Lord says, I have ended the threat of doom and taken away your disgrace. 
The time is coming. I will punish your oppressors. I will rescue all the lame and bring the exiles home. I will turn their shame to honor and all the world will praise them. The time is coming. I will bring your scattered people home. I will make you famous throughout the world and make you prosperous once again. The Lord has spoken. So we have this same sort of theme in lots of these minor prophets, right? You've done bad, you've done bad, you've done bad, but let me bring redemption, right? And I love this song of joy, but really what I love the most is how it ends. The Lord has spoken. Like, this is it. You need to hear this. Um, And and I think we, we oftentimes connect that with the prophets. You know, the Lord said through whatever or... And that's, you know, the word of the Lord. We say that in Sunday mornings when we read the scriptures. Um, and some of that is hearkening back to to the prophets. That's how it was announced. And to think, you know, a lot of times when we think prophets, the Lord has spoken, it is judgment and damnation. But like these blessings, these promises, this hope, that's also what the Lord has spoken. We need to remember that, too. Isn't it interesting that all of these books have such a similarity in that, too? You know, um, and I also feel like that's how life is, right? We feel broken, we feel ashamed, we feel judged. But if we can get back to the word, get back to our faith, get back to our relationship with God, we'll remember that that joy is there and that hope is there. And, you know, I've talked about this before, but there's a blessing I love to do, um, you know, at the end of the service. And, And one of the lines is, and don't forget to rejoice because hope, is always just around the corner. And I think we forget that, but that's what Zephaniah is saying. Um, and I'm appreciative of that. But they're all, they all say this, which is so interesting. Um, and so if we could just look at our lives in that way, in that midst of doom and gloom, that that hope is still there. So. Yeah, I think, you know, um, we're coming up on four years since COVID, right? Mm-hmm. It was actually the third Sunday in Lent, which is coming up. That yeah. was the first Sunday after March 13th, the day everything shut down. Um, and so Lent three, which we're about to do, um, is when churches were shut down. Some, you know, we weren't worshiping together. Or we were like all of it, like doom and gloom, right? We were waiting you know, for figure out if our kids were going to go back to school after spring break, we were, you know, stockpiling toilet paper. We were, it was all of that. We were so deep in it. Like, I think it was hard for us to believe that hope was around the corner. And like, it's it's four years later. I still got prisoners that get really sick from COVID. Like it, it, COVID is not over. It's with us. But like these folks, I think maybe one of the reasons there's so many prophets is you get so in the middle of it you need to be reminded that hope's around the corner and ha- mm-hmm. like we just get so tunnel vision that we forget. And COVID was a perfect reminder for me. Like I, like our whole world was reduced to the size of our living room, literally. How do we see the hope outside of that? Yeah. Well, I think Zeph and I am thankful for that. Gave us a little bit of that today. So this is a short one y'all, cause this is a short book. Um, but we are glad you spent some time with us. And remember, as always, God loves you, but we love you, but most importantly, God does. Mm